This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. So guess who Sam Altman's latest employer is? Is it OpenAI or is it Microsoft? This development in the AI world was beyond everybody's expectation. Before Thanksgiving, 50 Israeli hostages can go home to their families. The U.S. Army is now begging soldiers who were fired for refusing to take the COVID-19 to return to the Army. But the soldiers are showing little interest. Now, some of these soldiers are asking the government to repay the losses that were caused by the vaccine mandate. When you travel by plane, have you ever been hit by all kinds of strange additional charges from airlines? The Senate is now launching a probe into the matter. The mayor of New York City is under investigation for accepting improper donations during his campaign in 2021, and his assistants and many close staff members have been implicated. And the biggest player in the cryptocurrency industry is about to disappear. Binance CEO Chongpeng Zhao will step down. Otherwise, Binance will be banned from operating. Okay, let's get into it. The relationship between OpenAI and Sam Altman has changed again, with OpenAI announcing late on the 21st that Sam Altman has been reinstated as the Chief Executive Officer of OpenAI. This brings an end to five days of drama at the artificial intelligence technology company. And OpenAI also said that the board of directors will be removing several members who are opposed to Altman. This change in attitude can be considered as a 180 degree change from a few days ago, OpenAI announced on X. We have reached an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return to OpenAI as CEO with a new initial board of Brett Taylor as chair, Larry Summers and Adam D'Angelo. We are collaborating to figure out the details. Thank you so much for your patience through this. D'Angelo already was a member of the OpenAI board, but the other previous board members will not remain. Altman said in a separate statement on X that he was happy to return as CEO. He wrote, I love OpenAI and everything I've done over the past few days has been in service of keeping this team and its mission together. When I decided to join Microsoft on Sunday evening, it was clear that was the best path for me and the team. With the new board and with Satya's support, I'm looking forward to returning to OpenAI and building on our strong partnership with Microsoft. Microsoft has also expressed its support for the latest developments. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said, we are encouraged by the changes to the OpenAI board. We believe this is the first essential step on the path to more stable, well-informed and effective governance. Other OpenAI executives celebrated the decision. It seems that all parties are happy except for the board members who were expelled. With the mediation of many parties, Israel and Hamas finally reached an agreement on the release of hostages and a pause in the exchange of fire. This is good news before Thanksgiving. The agreement was reached on Tuesday night and it was ratified by the Israeli government. The Palestinian Hamas terrorist organization will release at least 50 female, child and elderly hostages over four days in exchange for a pause in fighting in the Gaza Strip. In return, Israel will release 150 convicted Palestinians, but not those convicted of murder. Once the hostages are released and the four-day period ends, Israel will immediately resume fighting in an effort to destroy Hamas. Hamas 
claimed to be in possession of 210 of the approximately 240 hostages that were taken from Israel on October 7th. Islamic Jihad is holding the remaining hostages. Hamas plans to release 30 kidnapped children, 8 mothers and 12 other women. Approximately 12 to 13 hostages will be released each day as the ceasefire agreement takes effect. Israel will also release women and young prisoners to return to the cities or towns in which they resided prior to their imprisonment. Under the ongoing agreement, in addition to the exchange of hostages, Israel is also allowing fuel and other supplies into Gaza. On Tuesday, Israeli negotiating advisor Moti Kristal told reporters that Hamas's leader in Gaza, Yahya Sinwar, was likely ready to die when he launched his October 7th attack. But that does not mean that he would not have used the negotiations to achieve other goals in the meantime. Kristal emphasized that Israel's primary motive for the war was to free the hostages. Perhaps this is why they agreed to a temporary ceasefire. Israel's Hararetz newspaper reported that all branches of Israel's security sector, the IDF, Shin Bet and Mossad, supported the planned agreement. The agreement includes access by the Red Cross to hostages who have not yet been released, as well as the supply of medicine. The U.S. Army is changing the rules for recruiting new recruits. As it struggles to attract new recruits, the Army is also opening its doors to unvaccinated veterans who were discharged from the Army for refusing to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Under the U.S. military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, the Army booted 1,903 members for not receiving a COVID-19 vaccine across all branches more than 8,000 troops were dismissed for not complying with the mandate. But over the past two years, the Army has had an increasingly difficult time recruiting new recruits. The Army fell short of its 2023 goal by about 10,000. In response, the Army has had to change its recruitment strategy. This includes by offering bonuses of up to 50,000 US dollars and by changing the COVID-19 vaccine requirement. Brigadier General Hope Rampey, the U.S. Army Director of Personnel Management, wrote in a letter that was sent to former Army personnel, saying, Individuals who desire to apply to return to service could contact their local recruitment. Brigadier General Rampey reminded retirees of new guidelines that allow soldiers who were discharged for refusing the COVID-19 vaccine to request corrections to their military records. The guidance referred to in the letter states that a number of steps have been taken in recent months, including removing suspensions relating to soldiers who asked for exemptions from the vaccine mandate. Under the new guidelines, former soldiers who were involuntarily separated for refusal to receive the vaccination can also request correction of their military records to reflect an honorable voluntary separation from service. The change in posture comes months after the military reluctantly withdrew its mandate that was forced by a bill approved by Congress and signed by President Joe Biden. However, so far it appears that the response to this new policy from the discharged soldiers has not been enthusiastic. As of November, only 19 removed soldiers had returned to the Army, 
only one member of the Air Force has returned, and 210 have requested record corrections. Bradley Miller, a former Army lieutenant colonel, said that the effort isn't enough. He told the Epoch Times, On the surface, it sounds like it's a good thing, and maybe to some degree it is. But I think most former soldiers, myself included, just kind of feel like it's just too little, too late. Miller was relieved of his command in October of 2021. He resigned shortly before hitting the 20-year mark despite missing out on a pension because he didn't want to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Miller believes that the small number of people who rejoin the force after being removed has to do with the way the service members are treated. Miller said, even if they were to go back in, their careers have been completely derailed. The former military members who were kicked out for refusing to receive a COVID-19 vaccine are seeking back pay, damages, and other compensation. The lawsuits were filed in recent months. All three class action suits were filed in the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. Plaintiffs argue that lawmakers chose their words carefully when Congress directed the U.S. Department of Defense to revoke its COVID-19 vaccine mandate. One lawsuit states, Congress expressly chose the term rescind rather than more customary language such as repeal, amend, or clarify to direct the Department of Defense and the courts that the rescission should be applied retroactively. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin reversed the mandate in a January 10th memo and he ordered military leaders to expunge bad behavior that was related to vaccine refusal from the records of members still serving. Another lawsuit states Secretary Austin acknowledged the congressional directive to apply the rescission retroactively by, among other things, committing to correct all of the paperwork and adverse personnel actions resulting from non-compliance with the now voided mandate and orders issued pursuant to it. Dale Saran, one of the attorneys representing the former members, said, everybody should be made whole again. They should be right back in the position they were before. Saran estimated that if the lawsuits are successful, then billions of dollars would go to the former members. He noted that Congress had appropriated funds to pay salaries and other compensation before the military fired those who refused to receive the vaccine. Former members who are interested in joining the suits can go to militarybackpay.com. A U.S. Senate subcommittee announced on Monday that it is launching an investigation into the charging of baggage fees, seat selection fees, ticket change fees, and other service fees by airlines. The CEOs of five major U.S. airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines, Delta Airlines, Spirit Airlines, and Frontier Airlines were asked to justify these fees. The investigation is led by Connecticut U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal who says that these fee programs are often hidden and confusing to consumers. Blumenthal said in the letter to the CEOs of the five major U.S. airlines, these itemized fees are often not disclosed to consumers until well into the ticket purchasing process or after a ticket has been purchased, making it difficult for consumers to know the true total cost of the ticket. 
The senator pointed out that between 2018 and 2022, the total baggage fee revenue of major U.S. airlines increased from $4.9 billion to $6.8 billion. The eight major U.S. airlines collected about $4.2 billion in seat selection fees last year. Airline CEOs in 2018 lobbied against bipartisan legislation to mandate reasonable and proportional baggage and change fees, and they convinced Congress to drop the plan. The U.S. Transportation Department last year proposed requiring airlines to disclose fees for baggage, ticket changes, and for family seating the first time an airfare is displayed. In his State of the Union address in February, President Biden condemned airlines for charging passengers who want to sit with their families an extra fee for selecting a seat. The Transportation Department later said that it was working on rules that would prohibit airlines from charging parents for wanting to sit with their young children. Under pressure from the government, airlines such as United, American, Frontier and Alaska Airlines have agreed to a written pledge that they will not charge additional fees for family seating if adjacent seats are available at the time of booking. But that's an improvement on only just one issue. And the Senate's action this week extends fee regulation of airlines to a much broader area. Recently, New York Mayor Adams' campaign for mayor in 2021 was investigated by the FBI for allegedly improperly accepting donations from Turkey. The latest development is that his campaign team was raided by the FBI a few days ago. One of the female assistants has been suspended by the city government for urging colleagues to delete text messages on their mobile phones, which is suspected of annihilating evidence. Hours after the FBI raided her New Jersey home, Raina Abasova, who served as protocol director for the city's Office of International Affairs, asked several colleagues to delete their text messages. Later, Adams had his mobile phone and other electronic devices seized by the FBI on the streets of Lower Manhattan, which was also related to Abasova's inappropriate behavior. On November 2nd, the day that the FBI raided Abasova's home, the FBI also raided the Brooklyn home of Adams' campaign fundraising advisor, Brianna Suggs. In addition to the federal investigation into Adams' two subordinates, at least one former city official has received a grand jury subpoena in connection with the investigation. In addition, in July of this year, six of Adams' supporters were prosecuted by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for using head donations, and two of them have pleaded guilty. Despite this, analysts believe that the chance of Adams being prosecuted is low, but it will affect his governance and his re-election as mayor of New York City in 2025. After the trial and conviction of FDX's Sam Bankman-Fried, the U.S. Department of Justice filed criminal charges against Binance and its billionaire founder and CEO, Zhao Chongping. The U.S. Department of Justice has been investigating Binance for several years. The U.S. Security and Exchange Commission announced that it was suing Binance and Zhao Chongping in June of this year. The U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, 
also indicted Binance and Zhao Chongping in March of this year. The CFTC requested a permanent ban on Binance's registration and trading. Binance faces three criminal charges, including conducting an unlicensed money transmitting business, violating the International Emergencies Economic Powers Act, and a conspiracy charge. The SEC said that the trading firm Sigma Chain engaged in fraudulent trading that made Binance's trading volume appear larger than it was. Additionally, Binance secretly commingled billions of dollars in client assets and sent them to a third party, Merit Peak, which is owned by Zhao Chengping. On November 21st, Binance CEO Zhao Chengping pled guilty and agreed to pay a huge fine under a comprehensive settlement agreement with the United States. Binance chief Zhao Chengping will plead guilty to criminal charges and step down as the company's CEO as a part of a $4.3 billion settlement with the Department of Justice, according to court records. This is one of the largest corporate fine agreements in U.S. history. The agreement, which involves the Department of Justice, the Treasury Department, and the CFTC, ends a years-long investigation into Binance. The agreement allows Binance to continue to operate. On the same day Zhao announced his resignation, he will be replaced by Richard Tong, Binance's regional head of marketing. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.